those people who bought early enough in the pandemic when the interest rate first changed in my opinion they're the winners they're the real winners and it's an important thing to notice where urgency matters like if you're trying to time the market i understand there's a good time there's might be a better time for a price or a better time for a certain product but anybody who bit the bullet early enough got to actually enjoy lower prices and the lower interest rate welcome to the real deep podcast with your hosts Usan and Raj. We're here to talk some smack, give you the facts, and all you need to do is listen and relax. Please look before you leap because this shit is going real deep. Real deep podcast, new episodes every Sunday, so be sure to tune in real deep. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Let's put these phones on silent here. Take two of this solo episode with me and Raj with the Real Deep Podcast. Last time we did this, it kind of flat but but we talked about good shit we talked about good shit i thought it was good shit. but uh you know what that's the kind of what happens at the end of the day you've had like showings meetings phone calls and uh sometimes you get tired you just don't have any energy to talk about things like uh with enthusiasm like enthusiasm uh, (laughs) so so apologies for that this one uh should be a great one uh, what are we? Episode lucky number eleven today. Eleven, eleven. Slurring ready with no alcohol. No today. alcohol today, guys. <laughs> uh, we don't have the guests that have the alcohol, but a um, lot of interesting stuff eh, happening. You said markets. Uh, markets doing some funky things. What do you think? Like, uh, what are you seeing that's funky? Uh so one, we're at what like eight thousand listings right now. Just cracked it. And we what like two weeks ago we were crying because we we're at like forty two. So we uh, doubled yeah. from the last time. We looked at this. We, we talked about the stats. That's um, right. We got inflation. We've got at war. at, at five point two percent for Canada. We got war happening. Mm-hmm. It seems like everyone's trying to go to war right now. Turkey and Greece. Something once once something. Maybe starts, China's going to go after Taiwan now. Who knows? <laughs> well, know. there's all sorts of things that are happening. That uh, are you getting a lot of questions from your clients and uh, just from prospects that you're talking to, wondering whether or not these effects are going to have a big impact on uh, real estate well I, a lot of them just don't know so they're just they're just trying to throw things at a wall be like okay this is going to be the reason why the market crashes right market oh russia's having a war oh shit all right stocks are going down all right so real estate's next right <laughs> right like it's almost like somebody's waiting for bad news to you know materialize and yeah. like it's here though yes. um okay so let's let's unpack some of that then uh one of the things that happened this week is uh interest rate increase that it's not like I'm not. Su- I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. It was. It was. It, we were talking about it. It's about. Ba- it was bound to happen. They've been saying it since December, at least. At least. Um, and you think it's gonna have an effect? Like, okay, so I'm gonna paint a picture for you, and you let me know um, if you're hearing something similar or if you just disagree altogether. Uh, people saying with the interest rate going up that there's gonna be a break in prices uh, in the market, and they want to wait to see what happens um, in terms of what effect the interest rate increase will have on prices. Um, some people are anticipating it's going to crush the market, which I do not agree with. Listen, 0.25. So, so mortgage here, the difference between a bank of Canada rate and a mortgage rate are, are, are similar, but they're also different, right? Mm-hmm. Cause the bank of Canada rate is for all interests, right? Not just mortgages. No, yeah, that's going to be affecting your prime rate. Yeah. It's going to be all your credit cards, your line of credits. Yeah. It's going to affect your variable yes. mortgage. Uh, but then like you're saying, the long-term bond market is actually what will look at your, your fixed. So everything's going up. Everything's going up, right? So it's not just, just mortgages. The mortgages have been going up since the start of the year. Or, right. So it's not like we were sitting at like the 1.5% for that's right the, everything's everything's going up even before the announcement on march 2nd right so it's not like it's not it's like a, it's, it's not like it's, it's a surprise right yeah um so here's here's an important uh, i guess thing to to take into account as one of the things that i'm watching um we know that inflation like we were just talking about it's gone past the point um, where the Bank of Canada feels comfortable. No, it's been like what seven months. Seven months. So, like, I'm oh. just looking at it here, and like the target, the target for inflation is about two percent. That's what the Bank of Canada said. Yeah, that's what they're telling us. And we've the been last over 2%. time we were there. The last time we were there was prior to April 2021. Yeah. So since that time, our inflation has been ticking up from like three and a half, and as of the most recent report, it's showing like five, 
five five percent. That's a lot of money. And that actually might be underrepresented too, which is a little bit beyond the scope. Fugazi. But yeah, corruption. So, so that's that's one thing that we know it's happening. Everybody can appreciate that things are costing more. Like you go to the stores, they're costing more. You're trying to buy any services, it costs more. It's just reflecting in every uh, aspect of. I like our I like economy. to look at McDonald's as 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 my inflation gauge. Yeah. And McDonald's prices have gone up quite a bit. <laughs> it's uh, true. And like you know what was funny was. Um, uh, so that while we were locked down and you weren't able to really go and experience like a restaurant in mm-hmm. its full in its full capacity the way that you're used to, and now that everything's been loosened, people are kind of flocking to the restaurants to be like, let's yeah. go have a good time, let's go have a good time, and then you get some bill shock at the end of it. You're yes. like, wait a minute, wait a minute, how much is this? How, the what steak I used order? to call me, cost me twenty bucks. Now you're charging me thirty five, thirty five or something like that. And I get it. Everybody has to make. They have to make their adjustments, but it was one of the important things that was talked about at the beginning of the pandemic when the restaurant can't make up for a meal it didn't serve. Yes. Right. So like it's like you lost money back then Mm -hmm. and now the prices of what like how things are raising might keep people from coming to your store and spending their money because they have to tighten up their own, you know, finances. Exactly. So like from an interest rate perspective, I'm just looking at something here and it's to me it's like put it all in perspective how high is too high and how low is too low and right. you know like just you can kind of see here you saying what i'm looking at here where we are in terms of interest rates is still bloody historically low yeah we were we we're at, at one point we had double digit interest rates yeah so like even if we were to look back to like what 2020 prior to the pandemic sure. we were dealing with uh, overnight in, this is the bank of canada overnight rates close to like 1.7 1.8 yeah. Uh, and now we're at 0.25 and then we just raised to 0.5. So it's bloody still low. It's still low. It's still low. Money is still technically kind of cheap, but we've been spoiled mm. for something cheaper. Right. So mm. now people are like, oh, no, it's so much more expensive than it was before. Right. So, you know, ah. perspective. Like in, like but like at the same time, perspective in terms of like. If, I mean, perspective of people who bought the houses in 2000 and are cashing out right. are like, when I bought my house, it was so cheap. Exactly. Now, here, let's talk about this now. A lot of people have this thing where they like to time the market. Yes. They think that they're so, like, even in stocks, it happens too, where people just think they know more than they actually do. And yes. they are willing to base their decision making on sometimes something that's arbitrary. Yeah speculation or like a friend of a friend told them something Mm -hmm. or like their mom and dad are telling them something or they you know watched hgtv or cp24 and now they know yeah what's going on um we talked about a couple things where when the pandemic first happened it was very uncertain time yeah nobody knew what was going to be what the effect was going to be and even realtors themselves if they they said that they knew they would have bought something knowing what the prices would have been yes but at the time that the Bank of Canada dropped their interest rate to allow for easier debt management, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, fine, an unforeseen circumstance might have been people willing to speculate on real estate. Yeah, those people who bought early enough in the pandemic, when the interest rate first changed, in oh, my opinion, they're the winners. They're they the real the winner. winners, and it's an important thing to notice where urgency matters like if you're trying to time the market i understand there's a good time there's might be a better time for a price or a better time for a certain product but anybody who bit the bullet early enough got to actually enjoy lower prices and the lower interest rate yeah granted that they probably were panicking when they bought it too and were like oh shit did i make the right decision blah, blah blah but at the same time it's 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 uh how do you catch a falling dagger right exactly um so you just when it when the time is right for you when everything makes sense for you you kind of pull the trigger right if it makes sense and you're comfortable with the payments and and the numbers make sense to you it doesn't matter how the market's doing because eventually it's It'll take, it'll, it'll take care of itself. It'll take care of itself. Yeah. As long as now, you can handle the downside, you should yeah. be fine. Um, so, yeah, like I noticed that now, now that the interest rate's rising, it's not like this has been not talked about. It's not like this is a surprise right. to anybody that's been following along with it. The only big surprise, in my opinion, was I thought they would have done it earlier this year. Yes. But for whatever reasons, they didn't. And so in, we're trying to follow the states. Trying to follow the states. Yeah. I think what we're going to see, though, so we saw one in March. I think we're going to see another one in April. Yes, that's, what, that's get, what we've been hearing. Yeah, just to get out in front of it, and then they might chill up. Yeah, and see. Let's see what the effect is going to be. Because because the states haven't officially increased their 
the rates yet. yet, right? They're supposed to do it later this month. Yeah. So maybe their jump is going to be 0.5 instead of 0.25. I, I was I was I was speculating the same thing. I think they're going to go 25. The next one for them might be supersized depending on what happens. Happen. So like they're in a situation like this, I'm not a central banker and I'm not going to act like I am, but I'm going to talk like I am. All so, right, all right. <laughs> Uh, here's, here's my money. <laughs> here's my here's my analogy with it. It's like uh, it's a precarious time. Uh, they know that there's certain indicators that are far past their comfortable threshold. Yeah, inflation being the no, the the main one that they're concerned about. Uh, they have tools in their what we call it, toolbox. Yeah, and main one that they're going to be looking at is this interest rate. Yeah. So if inflation does not get under control, the Bank of Canada has to do something about it because it's going to be an impact on your future growth too. Yes. Um, so when they decide to put one interest rate increase and another one back to back, this, in my opinion, might make some people a little bit wary about buying at the moment. So yeah. we might see a little bit of a kind of a weird spring market. I think it's going to be I think June is going to be a very interesting month. Yeah, because right now with the inc we're seeing inventory more come onto the market more. So we've doubled since. February. Yep. Um, and it's only going to increase a bit more. I, mean, I think we're going to see about 12 by like June, 12,000 12, by yep. June. Um, and so it's going to be a, a combination of like, there's more to see. Mm -hmm. uh, there's more to buy. Mm -hmm. And pe with everything going on, inflation, the war, um, and everything else, people might be holding cash a little tighter right now. Right. Um, right now we're seeing that happen because everything's... When everything is new, people kind of take a pause, right? But the, the crazy thing is people people tend to jump back in at the same exact time. Mm. So demand might look like it's dying off, but no, everyone's kind of just like, let's just wait and see. Hey, you know what? That's actually an uh, interesting point that you brought up. Uh, I've, I think you've been having some similar conversations, but the number of offers we talked about on our last show, it's been kind of coming down. Yeah. Um, so when you talk about like demand from that perspective, uh, yes, I do believe that some people might be adopting a wait and watch approach, um, but we're seeing uh, we're seeing showing still coming through on yeah. your property. But when it's it comes be the time good to property. yeah, when it comes time to the offer though, it's either crickets or one maybe two offers, and it's surprising a lot of the agents to be like, what what's going on? What what I'm seeing too is like I think the outskirts are still pretty crazy. Like in St. Catharines last week, yeah, there was, was there was offers, 20, like 20 offers on a property, and then you come to Toronto, there's like two offers on a property. So, are people what does that mean about the price point though? Because we can't. I know that the prices between St. Catharines and Toronto night and day, right? You can get something under a million St. Catharines, and I think that's what's driving it exactly. So there is still demand, and people are reaching further out. Um, so it's just a matter of seeing what's happening. I know in the condo market, it's slowing down a little bit. We had one listing in the office that had only uh, no offers last night yeah. and a competitive competing, uh, competing unit, um, like in a different like building that. had like two or three, right. right. Uh, in a different market, it would have been a lot more. So, right. uh, Hey, you know what? You have an interesting, uh, listing that, um, I'm, I, I was interested in seeing it on the market and then I want you gonna to book a show you gonna, you gonna I'm gonna book a show I could obviously book a showing but I know that there's a it's a different type of price point and yes. it's a different type of buyer so I don't really have a whole Rolodex of people looking to buy at come that on number. Raj I know you got the people yeah. with the money <laughs> no. but hey you send um, the reason I bring it up is because it's not you've listed luxury property before yeah this one is a brand new condo um uh one bloor, one bloor at one bloor and uh i want you to just kind of explain what the product is how big are we how big are we talking if you want to talk about the price uh but then i also wanted to pick your brain about the differences in listing a property of that stature versus not like a bad condo but just a regular condo how do yeah. you deal with a luxury property differently um and what kind of things can you expect um, as a listing agent for that type of property, so go ahead. Yeah, so it's a it's a prop it's a listing at one floor, unit seventy two oh six. That's right, seventy second floor, um, and it has a killer view um, of of Toronto. So you can literally see um, the CN Tower, the water, and you can it's a wraparound balcony. You can see the north side, even on the east side as well. So you, it's you've got a pretty good view of Toronto. For now, because uh, I think there's one floor west that's being built and there's going to be 85 stories. Mm -hmm. So the west view might be a little bit blocked. But hey, you won't get that harsh sunlight uh, once it's built, right? Uh, <laughs> the westerly uh, sun. The westerly sun. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a price point of $2.65 And obviously, 
at that price point, the sellers kind of want everything done. They want a hands-off approach. They want to make sure that they they get the price they want, <clears throat> and it's the least stress. And they don't want they they don't want to deal with it, right? Right. So we went in, we uh we we checked things out. We decided that we needed the ten, there was a tenant in there before, so we're like, okay, there's some scuffs on the walls. Things are starting to turn yellow on the walls, so let's repaint it. Um, and then after we repaint it, we'll bring in a stager to kind of do measurements and, and stuff like that. Staging, um, staging a property like that, you kind of want it's you got to vet everyone else mm-hmm. um, to see what kind of um, product they're going to put, they're in, gonna put there. in there, right? Because you don't want a typical home sense kind of home. Yeah, where you don't want tacky stuff in there. You want you kind of want to attract the clientele that you're going to attract. Because so, oh, so hold on, <clears throat> sorry to interrupt. You did you you. Um, uh, prospected different stagers for it. Yeah, so so we ha- we had some that people in our office used. So we just reached out to them to see what kind of pricing they would they would kind of offer us. And then we I went on Instagram, typed in hashtag stagers Toronto or Toronto stagers, and, and picked out some from there. Lucky enough, we found one from the hashtags, and and we hired them, and they did a fantastic job with the unit. I think, um, and it's about capturing the who's going to be living in it, mm. right? Because like. A $2.6 million condo versus a $2.6 million home is a completely different buyer because realistically, who's going to, why would you pay 2.6 to live in a condo unless you had that kind of money to kind of just like mm. throw I'm away? Sorry, what's the maintenance fee on? Uh, maintenance fee. So it's 1,400 square feet. Maintenance fee is just like 1350 So, wow. uh, and, and the property taxes are $10,000 a year. Right, right, which is to be expected. Yeah. Well, it's, it's what, and then does your uh, one bluer listing, um, does it take care of all your amenities as well? No, you're, you're paying so that you yourself. Pay for that yeah. as well. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it is a different type of person that our buyer yeah. profile. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not everybody that can really go and get yeah. a property like that because financing is a little bit different when you get to those numbers too right? yeah I'm, I'm assuming they have at least or at least going to pay like 50 percent cash or if not all cash right because this mm. would be like a pied de terre kind of thing where they'd be like oh i'm in toronto for the weekend I, oh i have this cool spot right right uh you can come check it out so it's like <laughs> it's not it's not a place you're gonna live forever i don't think or like it's gonna it's gonna be like your secondary property where you're gonna show off to your people right yeah like come right. come through yeah, yeah come through i got a spot downtown you know that's fantastic um, I mean, it's it's so different um, listing and even buying at that price point versus a regu- like a regular residential house. Yeah. What are some of the adjustments as an agent that you have to keep in mind when dealing with your clients when you have a different product mm-hmm. like this? Is there anything that you you know is different uh, that you had to do differently uh, than you would with the an- another listing? Let's just say. I feel like marketing it is a lot different because it's not so much you can just throw it on the MLS and and have anyone kind of see people aren't actively looking for this right so it's like it's more like you have to find the agents or the buyers and put it in their face to be like hey check out this property is this something you might like because mm-hmm. because the buy i feel like the buyers for this aren't necessarily going to be in the actively in the market looking for it they're going to be like if it comes up they'll be like oh yeah i'll buy that oh yeah yeah so it's not like they're they're actively looking to to buy something it's just like if the, the opportunity opportunity comes up and the agent that they know shows it to them and it's something that works out then that's where it's going to come in um that was a good thing that i actually heard you doing um over the phone like just as you were listing the property was uh taking stock uh, of of the who's who's who mm. sells these types of properties right. and uh prospecting them just to be like hey uh, here's my name is Usain. I just listed the uh, one bluer. Yeah. And uh, just in case you have any buyers or you have any questions, just want to let you know. Yeah. And um, it's a good, like it's a, it's a, a tactic that we'll still use when you're selling a residential house yep. or a regular condo. But for this one here, a lot of times relationships matter when it comes to right. a, a luxury property like this. And uh, do you find that, I know you haven't sold it yet, but do you find that for that luxury type of property, there's a lot more talking that happens. The agents are different. They they handle each other differently. Yeah, I feel like they're more. I don't know how to explain it. They're so they they deal with the the ty- the clientele that would would buy it, right? So they they deal with money a lot. They're sharp, I, but they deal with sharp. the heavy money. Yeah, right? I find that they're very sharp. <laughs> it just comes down to straight numbers. If mm-hmm. we're too unrealistic, they'll just pass up and yeah. they'll be like, "We'll wait for you to drop your price and then we'll talk." Yeah, drop it, drop it some more. We'll let you sit. We know how this works. Um, so making those calls, you know, you know how like I don't know if you watched a million dollar listing. There's a lot, a lot of times where Ryan Serhant would be like, "All right, guys, tonight." 
everyone's gonna call 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 this Rolodex. You know, we're gonna call people from China, call people from here. We're gonna get the top heavy brokers, and then and then so making those calls, I kind of felt like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> networking, I yeah. think it's important to do because you're 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 going for. Uh, max exposure yeah. and like you said too some people are not looking at this stuff but if it came across their desk they might consider it yeah so it's almost like you're kicking up some dust and um you know getting the other brokers involved because that's that's the nature of the game yeah you can put put a deal together uh i was gonna ask you one thing uh i've been seeing this uh, what is it called like uh, sorry i'm not tech tech savvy but it's uh some sort of virtual device that you can do the showing through like oculus rift type oh yeah 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 so it's like an oculus it's like what they do is like the obvious thing is like so we do matterport right so yes. like a 3d walkthrough tour where you can look at it online there's also a, a a virtual version where like you can you can go and, and put on an oculus or a vr headset and go through that matterport tour in person like virtually with those goggles on and now what we're seeing a lot of developers do now because there's no no actual unit you can see yeah. is that they'll they they're paying tons of money to build out these renderings and imp implement them into this metaverse metaverse, metaverse. but like um, <laughs> this VR VR side thing so you can kind of like walk through every floor plan that you kind of want to see versus when you go to the showroom they have the one, one suite. unit yeah. yeah and they'll they'll demonstrate that right so. Do you think that there's any difference now? Like real estate is one of those things that um, a lot of the old timers, when you say why real estate, why invest in real estate, they always say, well, at least I can touch it. At least I can put my hands on this right, thing right. and see it. So like to buy a product like that um, without being able to actually like, yes, you're seeing it, but you're only going to see it in the best light. Right. Like they're not going to give you a shitty rendering. They're going to make sure that looks like great. Yeah. So then uh, I don't know if you, do you have any issues with, with when it comes to like, Seeing a property virtually helps. It's definitely convenient, but I still think that at some point or another, you're kind of. Do you need? Do you actually need to? Or I think I think they they supplement it too, right? So it's not just a virtual thing. You, they also have that one sweet unit to show you kind of mm. the finishes and stuff like that. At the end of the day, it's pre-construction, right? So no matter what you're gonna do, it's there's nothing for you to really touch and see until it's actually until built. it's ready. Uh, and that's just the nature of pre-construction. It's always been like that. So it's not gonna change. This is just elevating the the experience for you now to maybe see a bit more than you could have just on a drawing on a piece of paper. Do you think? that this kind of uh idea like Matterport was not popular up until just a couple of years ago yeah. and then even when it became a thing not everybody was spending the money to get it done yeah and then when the pen like i was we were doing this kind of stuff before the pandemic yeah. hit just felt like it was a good value add for the clients and um yeah like at the end of the day the person can see everything they need to see yeah uh, measure everything it's good but now i wonder about uh this this oculus uh, virtual showing system would it ever become mainstream in your opinion? Like, I think the so so an Oculus Rift costs around four hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. I think the price point is still very high for the average consumer. So if they can bring that down to a hundred bucks, seventy five bucks, then I think we'll see that. I think I think the actual like Oculus Rift won't be the thing. I think a like augmented reality. So like the Google glasses, right? right. Those were those were, cheap. That's one I think, I think that's what we'll see more of in the future. Um, not so much like this Oculus Rift because it's it's very bulky. It's very big, and it's uh you look like a you kind of look like an idiot when you wear it. Right? When you're wearing it. You're like, and I wonder too if you don't have one, you're gonna go somewhere to to use yeah the person's oculus rift when you could just go to the house and check it out yourself right like, right <laughs> those are the ones where i'm just like yeah technology is great i appreciate it but at the same time too sometimes it, it can put a little bit of stuff under the rug right um, yeah i don't know have you been getting like in a busy market sometimes people look at okay when you go on mls right when we list a property most of the clients that we have um they'll just kind of look at the price yeah. And look at the pictures. Yes. And they don't really read anything else. They don't really care about anything else, but they'll make decisions based on more or less those two things. So yeah. what your price is and then the pictures. Sometimes pictures don't do justice for the property. And mm. like sometimes I find that clients would be willing to actually. Hold on. Why don't pictures do justice to the property? Well, you can catfish stuff, right? You can catfish stuff, but also. Was it? I feel like agents don't. Oh, okay. Well, well, so we're getting we're getting deep here. Let's let just call talk to agents here. here. <laughs> if your guy, if your agent says that, don't worry about pictures. I'll take care of it. 
just ask them, are you taking them on your cell phone or like what? Because I've seen it here. We've seen it all the time where I get it. You want to save some money, but you're not really doing like, what are you paying for? Anybody can take a picture with their cell phone. Exactly. And and the price points now are so high that are you paying like, for? why, why are you giving them? Okay. Let's say, let's, let's say you hire a discount broke uh, a, a discount real estate agent for 1%, right? Your average property is going to be a mill. You're giving them $10,000. And this guy is going to take a photo with his, with his cell, cell phone. phone. And it's not even going to be straight. It's not, not even you be said, straight. It's not even like this guy has a stand for it. Right. That's how much does a stand cost? A little bit of money. A little bit of money. And yeah, this guy will proudly take a picture like that. Vertically. Vertically. <laughs> and it's like, man, what are we doing here? And then. Do you think that that is that's not going to ha- that's not going to go anywhere? People are still going to cheap out when it comes to this yeah. stuff, especially if they feel like the market is good and the house even, will sell even itself. Even the cheapest photographer you can hire for like a hundred bucks would be better. Would be better than your cell phone, right? But like quality photos, you're looking at two fifty, three hundred at least. At least, and then yeah, add in your Matterport, add in yeah. your other stuff. But I guess it's one of those things. If somebody's not willing to pay for their property to be marketed then they they either don't care or the mm. agent doesn't think it's big a big a deal right yeah. um in my opinion like first impressions are last impressions yeah. so if you can put a good product out there you should be highlighting the good stuff about it exactly um but yeah i don't know i just noticed that um there's a lot of there's a lot of talk and there's always there's always something trying to disrupt the real estate industry yes and whether it's technology or a new way of dealing with uh, offers or buying properties, yeah. we're seeing auctions, we're seeing all sorts of stuff happen. And it's always at this time, the tail end of something yeah. where the market's been hot. Yeah. Somebody's been like, I think it works. I think it works. I think some it innovation, works. some something that's adopted in, in tough times, but it it's only been adopted in tough times because it worked in the tough times. But once things get back to normal, there's, what's the, yeah, what's it the point? It loses its kind of value. Um, we noticed a couple, we talked about it before, a couple auctions um, still happening. Yeah. There was one auction um, that one of our, our um, colleagues here at the office was uh, dealing with. And um, we were we were going back and forth with a couple of the uh, agents here at the offer or sorry, at the office, uh, trying to think it out as to whether or not this auction platform is fairer for one like a buyer or yeah. a seller or both. Is it better for the system or not? And I, I'm a, I was of the opinion that the open auction system is not the best thing to do. Yeah. Because it involves, there's too many psychological variables going on. Mm-hmm. And um, in this specific case, the property had a buy now value. I think it was like 720 or something yeah. like that. Okay. It's like the reserve price. This that's the, the reserve they, yeah. price. They're like, that's what we're looking for. And um, people were, it was a two day auction. Oh, two days. Two days. So 48 hours you're on the Ooh. hook for. And basically uh, you could set your increase to about 2,500 per, per bid. Yeah. Per bid. And, you know, at the end of the auction, at the end of the 48 hours, they'll give like five minutes more for any last, last minute bid. Yeah. And uh, the whole the whole idea was I'm saying it doesn't it's not going to help anybody. Um, it's still going to be a crazy time. People are going to get committed to the whole process yeah. and they're just going to bid it up. So the property, I think, ended up selling for eight eleven. OK, so it's still one hundred thousand dollars more than whatever they were expecting. Yeah. And um, there was a total of forty two bids on it. Woo. So that that I don't know whether or not that 42 uh, reflects 42 individual and unique bids or if that's 42 uh, times times that somebody's touched it. And what you notice was there was a little bit of action to start. Nothing happening, nothing happening in the middle. And then right towards the end, people, there was a flurry of action. And now think about it. If you as a buyer know that the most you can increase is twenty five hundred each time. It starts to become easy to say, yeah, do it again. Yeah, do it again. Yeah, do it again. 2,500 is such a digestible number, right? It's easily digestible. And you get committed to the process and you're so close, you feel like you have a chance. And people were saying, well, this is fairer for the buyers because it doesn't let somebody bid up the price. And I just beg to differ. I'm like, look at where the price ended up. Somebody just kept increasing. And how do you prevent somebody from bidding you up? So did you did you take a look at the property? I didn't actually physically go and see did the property. Look the, the, I looked the, at I looked at everything inside. Like it's it's nice. The reserve price was the good price for it. What were, what were the comps saying? What, uh, about what, seven, yeah, just around there, seven, seven, ten, seven, fifteen, seven, twenty-ish. Maybe a couple that went. So do you think if they did the blind the blind bidding process, they would have gotten the eight twenty? If they did it the regular way around things, yeah. I think they would have had the same effect. It wouldn't. I, I in my opinion, there's like the buyer doesn't care 
Like, do you think, do I think that somebody only bid on this property because it was an auction? Maybe. No. Yeah, okay. Maybe, but like for anybody that wanted this home, they had, this is the game they had to play with yeah. it. And in my opinion, I had a couple of things that was like, all right, who's this fair for? I thought that it was actually fairer for the seller at one point. Yeah. And it's giving the seller a lot of information about these people yeah. that you wouldn't regularly provide anyway. So for example, when I'm going to submit my, my, my auction bid, I got to send my client's pre-approval number so that the seller and the agent know. They say that we want to make sure only qualified buyers. Correct. Yeah. But they also want a firm offer from me. Yeah. So I'm going to tell them how much I can, how much my client can actually spend and show them that we're good for the money. I, I would say the, the trade-off on that one is because it's a, it's a bidding process. The, the sellers knowing how much you can spend doesn't really matter as long as you hit their reserves, right? So it doesn't matter how much you were pre-approved for because it doesn't matter at the end of the day. In, in, a, in a blind bidding situation, the sellers, if they see how much you can afford, they'd be like, hey, these other offers are are giving a lot more, you know, you should you should maybe hit your max versus like a, an open auction kind of thing where they know your number, they know you can qualify, um, but like you don't, you're not obligated to give them that number. Like you're not obligated either way in either situation, but it's less room for the sellers in an open auction to be like, you got to give me more. Because right. they can't, con like they relinquish control. Yeah. After, after they list it, they are not in control Correct. of what happens. Yeah. And so like they're like somebody could start low in this auction, but they're going to count themselves out more yeah. or less. Um, but I just found that there was a lot of information that the seller would be able to acquire yeah. from all these buyers. Yeah. And it's like, are you giving, you're giving it away very cheaply here. Like, so that's like, it's, to me, it was the equivalent of me calling an agent when I'm trying to buy a house yeah. and that agent just saying point blank, send me their pre-approval so I know how much they can afford. Right. Why would I send that? Why would I ever send that? I can talk to them and say, I have a signed offer here for you. Yeah. My offer is reflecting the fact that we don't have any financing conditions yeah. that should be telling you something. Why do I need to give you this piece of information? That's between me and the bank. Yeah. And then I find that, that maybe, I'm, maybe I'm a little bit sour about the whole process, but I just find that there's this, it's a novel approach to it. It's mm -hmm. been done before, yeah. but now everybody's getting so sick and tired with the way that the system works. Tired of works. guessing what the price guessing is. Guessing what the price is. Yeah. If you're guessing what the price is, you're not doing homework. Yeah. If you know what value this property should be selling at, and somebody's willing to go past the number you've ascribed, then there's no. You shouldn't be doing love loss. Like yeah. at the end of the day, you had your number, you had your boundary, you didn't cross it. Congratulations, you didn't make any money, you didn't lose any money. Yeah. If somebody's willing to go past that number, that's up to them. Yeah. So, um, from a guessing perspective. This one is just like, it's almost like stringing along the bets. Yes. And sometimes there's a reason that we do things the way that we do that. And it's because the system works better than most other systems. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm, I'm kind of partial to it where, yeah, there's a reason that there's agents there. Agents are supposed to separate emotions. Seller has emotions, buyer has emotions, but the agents are the ones that put the deals together. Yeah. And in this situation, it's almost just like, what do you need? What do you need here? What do you like? The, do you actually need any extra advice about the property? Because you're almost like it's like going to a going to a poker game for anybody that plays poker, and it's a limit game yeah. versus a no, no limit situation. Right? Why would you, as a seller, put yourself in a situation where you could get capped? Right. As opposed to keep it on the open market and let people tell you what they're willing to pay for it. The the result I would think would be the same. Yeah, I think they could have got the same amount if they did a blind bidding versus open bidding. But to drag it out for over two days is, is, is a little... And to keep yourself on the hook, like for my own clients to be like, hey, if you want this property, you might not be able to do anything for the next two days because we don't want you to buy two properties. Yeah. So it's like a balancing act. It's such I know a fast paced market. You want, you're tying yourself up. Tying yourself up. So like, okay, what other countries does that happen? Like Australia, it happens. Australia. And then, but their prices are also insane too. So how does it really affect anything? I think it's actually they have a worse system than we we have over here. Because because right now the the open auction only makes sense because there's so many competing offers. So what happens when it's one or two offers? Exactly. Or just one. Exactly. Right? Is it you gonna go to? The, that's not silent. <laughs> that's not silent, buddy. Sorry. So when you go to an open auction, open auction with one person, you're just bidding against yourself anyway. Yourself. So like, what's? But hey, that happens too in situations now where so we were talking about offers went from just to say a regular mill property 
they were getting 10 offers before. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they're getting one or two offers. Yeah. And our last episode that we talked about with Mo and Sanic, it was a situation where it was only one offer and same thing played. He's playing against himself. Yeah. And if they had the reserve set, then it would have been, I don't think a deal would have been had. Exactly. They wouldn't have sold the property. The reserve would have have sold the property. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So it's a, like like we said earlier, it's, it's a product that's driven by a certain circumstance. The open auction right now is very attractive because, let's face it, it's it's tough to to blindly bid with thirty other people, right? Mm. So if you see the thirty other bids and what they're at, then you can kind of you know. That's what I, that's where I wonder about. Does that help or does that hurt more to know the other bids and then to know that. All I have to do is beat them by a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so you give them a little bit. That, and the next guy says a little bit. And the next guy says, it's the same thing, is yeah. it not? But, Whereas but the like, other one, like, the guy's like, let me win. And here on this one, though, what I found was kind of very interesting about the auction is I lose my ability to, to control the time. Right. I lose my ability. I totally have forfeited, I have forfeited my client's ability to walk out of the deal. Right. And now that means that so, for example, one of the last deals that I did here, um, the agent's calling me. There's six offers on the table. An agent did not call me. And that can mean one or two things. You're either too low or you're the good one. And yeah. he doesn't want to touch you yet. So I'm sitting there and I knew that the price we originally offered was aggressive. Mm-hmm. So I, if he came back to me, I told my clients, I said, if he comes back to me, he's probably going to say one of two things. Price needs to be a little bit better and, or something about our closing date. So when he did come back to me, he said, we have offers. I want to give you one more chance. And I try to feel him out as best as I could about yeah. what we need to do. And so discussing with my clients, I said, if we're going to increase our price, this might be the last chance you have. Yeah. So give it a good one. And they said, okay, we'll give it a good one. And they said, give them till midnight to think about it. No. That's a long Too time. Too long because he's going to take that. That's about three hours. It's about nine o'clock at yeah. the time we're discussing. He's going to have three additional hours to talk to everybody else to get their offers up. Yes. So in that situation, I said, well, okay, Mr. Seller agent, what's the closing date you want? So I made sure that was right. And then I said, the price is we're going to do our best. I didn't tell him what number. So we gave him a good price, but I gave him 30 minutes. Yeah. I said, here's 30 minutes. I don't care if we, the worst comes the worst. We give him more time, but I'll give him 30 minutes again. Yeah. So how it ended up happening was this guy was correspond. The agent was corresponding with somebody in Hong Kong. Uh, that had to make a decision uh, as well. And so when the offer came in, the there was another offer behind us who had a condition or they had a little bit of work to do. Yeah. And when I gave them my improved offer, I only gave them 30 minutes, meaning that if they don't take ours, yeah. they don't know for a fact if this other second offer is going to come up to the place yeah. they need to be. So the pressure was now applied to the seller. If you like the price, if you like the closing, it's yeah. here for you right now. Yeah. How much more money do you think you could actually get if yeah. it's one, two thousand, or maybe he even comes in less. Yeah. So the offer got accepted. And when he called me back to let me know, he said, you did a good job by putting the time at what you put it at. I'm tr- he's as a listing agent trying to tell the clients, don't worry. You think these guys are going to walk away? They're yeah. not. And he's right. We were going to give them more time, yeah. but just not a whole night. Yeah. So he said the the seller who was in Hong Kong looked at the deadline and, and said, a, we have to make a decision. Yeah. They put that in their own head. Yeah. So in the auction situation, I don't have the ability to give them a proper price and then you get, lose pull the rug. You lose a piece of a negotiation That's tool, right. which is the irrevocable time. That's right. It's, it's fascinating how ir- the irrevocable time is can play such a vital like we know sometimes the irrevocable time means nothing, nothing. right and if you're if you're applying for a rental like the irrevocable nothing. time means jack all <laughs> because at the end of the day if the tenant wants the property exactly the landlord's going to take their sweet time to to review the documents or whatever to get things make sure they're comfortable with it and then if you still want it after the irrevocable time then you know you'll you'll, you'll make a bring way. back the offer from the dead right the resurrection versus like in <laughs> in a in a for sale like a purchasing side it's it's still very powerful the way you had it right you gave them 30 minutes the seller uh, realizes it's a short time. They feel the pressure, but like as an agent, we know like listen. If there's a willing buyer, willing yeah. seller, time doesn't necessarily matter. Exactly. Uh, I do like to think this way though. In a negotiation situation, whether this is real estate or anything else, um, there's the components. Time 
uh, time, price, and and your conditions or yeah. what you want or information. Yeah, there always there's always something you can negotiate. Whether or not you're not getting one part, you can always try to apply pressure yeah. or take pressure off with either time. Time is something that's huge for negotiation. Yeah. Information, another thing, is huge for negotiation. Yeah. The more I know, the better I can negotiate. Yeah. So in these situations, um, we've heard of like heavy hitters coming in and be like, somebody lists a property for 2.2. 2. Yeah. The guy goes, here's two, two, 2 million firm. Yeah. And here's your closing date and here's 30 minutes. I don't care what you do with yeah. it. And the person will be like, oh my God, I don't know if we'll get another one. Yeah. That's the pressure you're always looking to apply as a buyer agent. It might not be a whole lot, but you should be trying to do these things. Yeah. And so to to forfeit that yeah. ability and to that's why i say it's very fair for the seller because they're just sitting there looking at your cards they can see your cards yeah um but that's this one kind of method of disrupting i know another one that's kind of ticking me off these days is estimated values i'm not going to name names but there's out <laughs> well there are apps out there they're telling people this is what we think the price should be or what whatever they however they come up with the yeah. price i don't know it's they're wrong they're wrong most of the time yeah um but it's it's to me it's like a service that they're giving the public which yes. in my opinion is like false advertising false advertising yeah. because if i were to say the same thing to a client and be wrong in that number yeah uh, they're gonna sue me exactly but they apparently can hide behind technology saying no it's our algorithm that's making up this number yeah, and we're therefore just we're just we're just giving you the information it's up to you we're not professionals it. blah 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 they'll have, they'll have the their disclaimer but people are still using it at face so value right and then so they're getting mis i just think it's like misleading the public to think they have a chance at a certain number right. it's almost like fair advertising where it's like okay they're not the ones that are listing the property but they're trying to give you an indication of what this property is worth but they haven't actually even seen the property. The computer did not go to see the property. Yeah. To to a certain point though, I, I do appreciate them because it is it does give buyers who are looking at properties that are listed, let's say at eight ninety nine, they can see the estimated value being like, let's say it's one two. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it sells for one two is another story, but then it gives the, the buyers a perspective being like, listen, it's not eight ninety nine. Shut least, up. <laughs> at least yeah, at least yeah. they get that one part. Yeah. So like I had an interesting one where um, you know, late night I was doing showings. I got home by about like nine o'clock and at nine o'clock the phone starts ringing and the messages start coming in. People are interested in, uh, you know, the properties that I, I, I sent them yeah. earlier in the day and they're sending me the, they're sending me these app. I don't know if I want to say it or not, but like yeah. Sigma house or whatever. They're sending me um, listings on it and they're saying, hey, this one looks like it's going to go in my range. This one looks like it's going to go in my range. This one looks like it's going to go in my range. And they're three, three, three totally different products. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is one of the listings there does not have any comparables. Mm. So the, the House Sigma system takes whatever they can. It takes all the sales, whether or not they're the same type or not. Yeah. And it groups it all together and says, this is what it should go for. And every time the client's sending me this kind of stuff, it's like, look, I'm going to address it. I'm yeah. going to do my analysis on yeah. it. And it's just like, well, no, 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 maybe. Yeah. Uh, so then I was just like, hey, man, I'm wondering, this is nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. I'm still on the computer. Are these right to disconnect rules ever going to apply to a realtor? Like, <laughs> am I ever going to be able to say, hey, man, I get your house Sigma thing, but I'm going to have to get back to you tomorrow. Yeah. Can't do that as an agent. Yeah, it's, it's hard, too, because like it's it's. Time is of the essence. Time is of the essence. Um, we also have to consider too these people that we're working with, our clients that we're working with, have full time jobs too. Of course, right? So they work nine to five. They're not when when they're working. They're not looking tech. I mean, some some are, right. but they're not always on like Realtor.ca or or Alpha House, whatever it is, looking at properties. So when they get home, they're like and chilling in bed. Time they're to like, do it. that's their time to do it, right? But. So it's hard to, to do that because sometimes you want to be as accessible as possible. We want to show that we're there for the clients. But I do that's the name of the game. But like I do can. believe there should be a cutoff time like for you to, to have your own sanity, right? For you to have your downtime, to for you to be able to unwind at night and then go to sleep peacefully, right? Is that like a more of a moral thing? Like a, you wouldn't you wouldn't do that to somebody else, but like... So, for example, like it should be an is it an unwritten rule or it's just like how late is too late to talk about this kind of stuff? Right. I think I think <laughs> for any agent, it should be something they discuss. Right. Because I know I d we definitely know some agents who will work 
24-7. Right? You yeah. message them at 12, 12, 12 a.m. at midnight. If they're awake, they will They'll, respond to you, yeah, right? Yep, yep. Um, and, and we have some other people who are like, listen, if you message me after 10 and it's, we're not in an, an offer, offer date, presentation or, or, or it's not like a pertinent? dying emergency, yeah. then I will not respond to you until 8 a.m. the next day. Right. right? Um, so there, there it's boundaries and you have to set that with your clients and, and figure out what makes sense. Like be like, listen, if you send me 30 messages at 11 PM, don't expect me to, to respond to you. Right. I think it's true though. Like as a professional, we're, uh, we work for our clients. Yeah. So when they need something, yeah. that's, that's why we are the way we are is because we know that's what's on the line. Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess it's like, we hear sometimes like sometimes like we've been in the business long enough now where we know not every transaction is the same. Not every client is the same. There's yeah. different personalities that you have to learn to work with. Uh, but it's one of the funny things that I notice. Um, a lot of the newer agents so we are seeing a lot more newer agents come to the market yeah. right now, even within our own come office. To the market. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're basically like coming in and everybody has something to say about, you know, how a client is talking to them yeah. or how, how, how they how they like to be talked to and like as an agent that kind of goes out the like as a longer term agent kind goes out the window you got customers always right we're chameleons right yeah. we got to yeah. we got to blend in and, and adapt <laughs> to how the client is if they like to if they like to do a lot of small talk you got to do a lot of small, small talk. talk exactly if they right. like just stats numbers and being straight to the point yeah just give them stats so and numbers i like that part where you have to balance it and that that is one of the things that keeps me on my toes as an agent too like yeah. you got to learn you kind of you can't treat everybody the same mm -hmm. um and there's always going to be things that you can learn from clients and vice versa right yeah. so being out uh, to look for it but i'm wondering whether or not uh technology ends up like helping or hurting the situation when it comes to personal relationships um it ha in my opinion it bolsters if you're good with tech yes it can very much complement your you're what yeah. you're doing what your words are how you present yeah. information but if you are like totally and wholly relying on technology but you have zero insight i think that's like disaster well at the end of the day we if you're you're big on like the socials and stuff that you become somewhat of a an influencer right someone of, of credit quote-unquote credibility whether you have that credibility or not but if you have that audience that is willing to listen to you then it becomes a dangerous thing too right if you don't know what you're talking about then how do you yeah. <laughs> how do you educate or you're just well that's like feeding, <laughs> feeding just false, false i don't shit. know okay i don't know if this one's gonna make the cut but we got a lot of people that are like self-proclaimed whatever they want to call themselves i'm a top producer i only sold one house last year though top producer according to who my mom my mom <laughs> my mom says i'm special but there's other ones where it's like yeah like an influencer okay what does that mean i, I post stuff and people listen to me okay cool then there's other ones where like i'm a life coach and like all right who have you coached <laughs> who have you, you coached and what have they achieved yeah and like i don't know i'm not trying to hate on anybody so yeah. it probably won't make the cut it does sound like that but you got to be careful who you take your advice from sometimes. Yeah. So we were talking about earlier, uh, like with regards to politics, uh, interest rates, all these different moving variables at the moment. And everybody has their own explanation of it. Yeah. So you ask 10 people and you get 10 different responses. To me, that means nobody knows. Yeah. Everybody's kind of just reaching. Like you said, they throw something at the wall and it sounds good today until Tell us a up, new, right? new piece of information yeah. comes out. Um, so yeah, to have be lied to, <laughs> it's like, be careful about what you take in yeah. because you can be, especially when you start setting your expectations based on faulty information, mm -hmm. it's not affecting anybody else except for you. Yeah. Um, so that's why we're always like, a lot of our conversations are putting things right. Yeah. Setting expectations the right way. Yeah. One of the common expectations that I'm setting right now is, Hey, you're not, you might not get the same price that your neighbor just got. Yeah. Especially now. Right. Yeah. We're seeing we're, as people start pulling, as buyers start pulling back, it's not as competitive on offer night anymore, unless you have that, that special property. Yeah. Then, then you'll get your 20, 30 offers. But if it's a typical, whatever, then you're not going to see the same amount of action. And I think what we're going to see up until like later this year is, the market's going to start to balance a little bit where sellers aren't, sh are going to have a better expectation to not over, like they're not going to get more than their neighbor. They might, they might. But, but the expectation should now be like, Hey, if you get close to that number, you know, take it. Yeah. There's one that I had a conversation with, um, um, with regards to why, uh, why a certain house sold for what it sold for. Yeah. And the next house sold for a little bit less. Yeah. Um, 
And the conversation was, look, this house was on the market for one day. Yeah. And somebody sent them a crazy that number. amount of money yeah. in one day on the market. They said, I'm not waiting for nothing. Here's my price. This is that, that buyer's price. Yeah. And then the next one, it sold for a little bit less and it had multiple offers on it too. Yeah. So then the people were like, I remember I was just cracking the property. I was like, oh, there's six offers on one. Yeah. And only one on the other. And it looks like the guy who did the bully offer was the one that was willing to pay the most for both of these houses. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, well, it was worth something to somebody. Yes. And now it's the one where did the bully offer actually work? Or was the person better off waiting? And you don't know. You, don't you have know to try, exactly, right? Exactly, right? So I'm telling people to try still. I know that the market might be slowing down a little bit. And this might be that little bit of respite, like a little bit of um, the slowdown or the kind of changing conditions that mm. people have been complaining about and saying they've been waiting for it. And now that it's here, people are like, people are like I want it to I'll go wait down more even longer. more longer. Yeah. And you're like, like you said, I love that analogy where it's like, you're you're gonna hurt yourself trying to catch a falling dagger yeah and you got to know that this stuff can happen yeah it happens a lot but when there's pessimism in the market that's when a lot of these money managers a lot of these people that have uh, they come generated in what, that's when they come in they always say when there's blood on the streets buy when there's pessimism afoot buy uh take the time to do it when nobody else is doing it because you don't know how long that window is when the when the war started yeah with ukraine we were looking at it from a just more more of an equity market perspective and yeah. we're like buddy look at how much the stock market went down but then crypto went down too but then how, how did that affect dude, real estate nothing not nothing, nothing yet here. but i <clears throat> maybe long term it will because a lot of these buyers are going to cash out their stocks and stuff like that well to if have people are if people are noticing that the stock market like what i was considering um there's different markets out there for people to put their money into. Money into. Yeah. And now it's like, well, and people want to be safe about it. Not everybody's just speculating, saying, let me try to make some profit. There's other people that are different in that sense. At the other real estate is a lot safer than the stock market in the sense that you have something tangible, right? That's right. With stocks, I don't want to get too deep into it, but you don't own those shares no. unless you really register them when people aren't. So like if you hold it with RBC or Simple or whatever, those shares aren't yours. You're not yours. And we're seeing articles uh, of manipulation in the stock markets. Yeah. We're seeing all sorts of that kind of stuff. But when it comes to real estate, I think that the thing that people are looking at is, is it still safe to put my money into it? And then they have to ask themselves, well, if it's your primary residence, different story. But if you were buying a property with the, um, like speculate whether yeah. or not it goes up or not, that's if you can, if you can handle the risk or not. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people flooded into the real estate market because the stock market did so well over yeah. the and that money needs to go to the next asset class yeah. and and it just kept going that way. Yeah. Now that the war is happening and we see the market kind of moving sideways a little bit, mm -hmm. that money, the money that people were making in the stock market might have been evaporated now. Yeah. So now that buying power that they were hoping was there, yeah. it didn't stay as in the form of equity. It yeah. kind of got eroded and now they have to wait for it. Yeah. So the amount, like we had a definitely a huge bull market for for equities, for stocks, for for um, real estate in the last two years, and then it's like if it's not proceeding at the same clip, maybe people tighten up a little bit and they say, let me go back to the safe investment strategies while we weather a storm. Right. Uh, we're we'll in a situation where things are changing. Like they're not saying that things are rosy on the outlook. Right. And then it's like. Do you listen to that or do you and, and act accordingly? If you know there's a storm coming, do you do any preparation work for your finances? At the other day, if there is a storm coming, what do you need? Food, water, and shelter. Exactly. Right? Fuck the stock market. Exactly. Right. Because if you uh, there's a there's a there's a new show out from John Stewart about the stock market that came out yesterday, mm. and uh, one of the things he talked about was like, listen, in 2021. $413 billion was flooded into the stock market. Right. Right. But from 2002 to 2020, $279 billion. That's so like we, crazy. so the amount of money, but here, take, take this into, did, did equality get balanced? Yeah, better. No, no, no. Fucking was more yeah, inequality. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. I just wanted to say, that I think that's very interesting. It's, it's, it's one, it's another function of, um, I was following 
basically what they call the money supply. Yeah. And I got turned on to this from another podcast, but the amount of money that's come into the system, it's reflecting in just a number. Yeah. There's more money than there was in the system just last few. Yeah. And, and that's when you say like, why did so much money go into these places? Everybody is seeking a profit somewhere. Yeah. Everybody's, whether it's real estate, stocks, crypto, whatever, everybody's taking their money to put it into something and they all want to make some sort of profit off yeah. of it. And that's good at a time when profits are to be made. Yeah. But when things start changing that way and people are not seeing the same type of profit, it's not worth it at a certain point. Right. So that's what I'm wondering if that's starting to happen in the core of the city where the number doesn't make sense anymore. Right. That's why we're seeing the outskirts seeing more action because the They're guy can take up. his buying power and he can yeah. take two out there as opposed to the one. one yeah. And if the other things like supply are not going to get better in the short term, then they're just banking on our problems being still there, like as as Canada yeah. as a, as a housing. Area. The benefit of real estate too is that uh, unlike the stock market, you can leverage it. Yeah. With 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 one property or two properties, like obviously, like people like Elon Musk, they leverage their stocks to to pay their bills, right? So they don't necessarily cash out. They're like, hey, listen, I have this many options. I have this many this many this many shares. Um, I'm, let me take out a loan. Right. Leverage based off of this. A lot of people don't have that option because they don't own that much stock. But if you own a property, you can you leverage that to, took to one condo. Just 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 without saying too much, one condo downtown ended up turning into like four or five properties. Yeah. And, and that's just leverage. Like when you go, I remember. How I do you how do you leverage one share of Apple you to can. buy more? Well, even yeah, if you yeah. were to go to the, this is one interesting thing too. Even if you were to go to the bank and you said you wanted to do something, you wanted to start a small business out. Yeah. Okay, they'll give you a one to one loan. You put up your money, and we'll give you something. They're not giving you more. Yeah. You want to buy stocks? They're not going to give you a loan to buy stocks. Yeah. But if you want to buy property, they'll you come you. up. You come up with your money. They'll give you four times, four and a half times yeah. that amount. And when your property goes up, it doesn't go up just based on your down payment. It goes up based on the entire asset price. Yeah. So yes, you get leverage in a way that you don't get with other products uh, or other other markets. So I mean, real estate here in Canada, um, I don't I don't think the current state of things is going to be a lot to change anything. Mm -hmm. I think we're still low enough that it's going to take a little bit more. Um, policy change and a little bit more time in order for it to be affected yeah. if there's going to be any effect like i did say that there might be a slight slowdown um in terms of number of offers coming in but i'm not seeing prices coming down no, right prices now. will stay the same they, they, they we're not going to see crazy jumps anymore i don't think no but yeah. we're going to see something more stable in terms of what things are going to sell for right um at least for the next little while I think. yeah and so yeah i mean like uh we're here now this is the second go at a one-on-one -on -one episode one <laughs> so hopefully the energy was good for us but uh episode seven of the real deep podcast with your hosts uh you and, and raj. raj uh trying to go deep for the people and um Let's dig see. up some dig up some dirt but if you have any questions that you guys want answered or people you want to be featured on here let us know we're here to help you real estate needs whatever you want questions or you want if you want more stories we can give you more stories just, just you know, tell the people. Just tell the people. We just want to tell the people. You tell us and we'll tell you. you know? That's it. That's how we do it. All right? yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. I was up with a marshal. I was up with a meagle. When you up in the target, you ain't safe for the meagles. As he heaven was just a call away. I knew heaven was just around the way. When you live in the lodges and you getting it legal, they gon' shoot where your heart is. Got me feeling cerebral. When they fuck with an artist, they don't treat them like people. Now they see me smiling on the stage They don't see what I'm burning on the stage Just to get to my target every day Just to get all the evil around from me I ain't crazy, I'm venting I don't wanna cause any drama, I'm venting so I don't wanna load in the game when I'm venting I just wanna be in my space and inventing Do I wanna share with you world it's depending? I don't wanna fuck girl, I just wanna friending Said it with a drop of a hat, I'ma ending Till I get a buzz and no time that I'm lending You ain't got no space in my mind, you was renting uh, Rather fuck with a zenting Yeah, someone soothing my aura uh, Don't want people pretending Yeah, when I'm being myself is what they hate Every day they try to take the crown away Even though I'm the royalty in place Thought that shit and they're smiling in my face Do this shit for my family Do this shit for my loved ones Trying to fuck with my family I'ma kill all your loved ones today Careful who's in your circles, what they say If there's snakes in your garden every day Gotta cut all your grass and start again It don't matter, don't ever stop the rain yeah, I just hit my doggy I still wait for 92 All these bitches going and I'm gonna lie me like zoo
back like a child yeah. And you gon' get a beating mm, So I hope it was worth it yeah. Talk your shit like you mean it uh, I'ma go that shit solo Oh, are you still home and dreaming? Uh, they gon' play Marco Polo uh, Cause they no longer see him What well, you think you a big cheek? Uh, you was smiling with big teeth Now you lookin' like Miss me uh, While I'm off and I'm touring uh, See, this could've been you here yeah. You still sleeping and snoring yeah. Do this shit for my family Do this shit for my loved ones Try to fuck with my family you Gon' see all that blood run See that money that give it all to me Cause they know I'm the realest in the place I'm so dumb being humble every day So consider me throwing on the shade yeah. I just hit my doggy I still hit for 92 All these bitches going And I'm gonna love me like zoo Is it?